Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and turn the complicated into common sense. Here, I'll speak with supremely intriguing, refreshingly forthright experts, artists, scholars, scientists, entrepreneurs, leaders, and human beings with unique vantage points who can help expand our knowledge of what's happening on the planet while discovering more about ourselves. This is a space for curiosity, contemplation, and meaningful, sometimes difficult, conversations. To boot, each episode will end by gathering the key takeaways and turning them into short affirmations that you can repeat and use to transform your reality and stay charged up and resilient throughout the week. I look forward to hosting the journey and learning alongside you. So let's step into the world of Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace. If you like weird and strange history as much as I do, then I have the podcast for you. I'm Jason Horton, host of Strange Year. Each episode, I break down the strange history and cultural happenings during that year, like 1977, the Wow Signal, 1963, Three Tramps Theory, 1844, the Millerite Movement, 1997, the Phoenix Lights, 1896, the Shortest War, 2004, Benjamin Kyle, 1518, the Dancing Plague, 1985, the Move Bombing. 1972, remote viewing. So to get your weekly weird history fix, pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to Strange Year wherever you listen to podcasts. A giant dot-com bomb. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. So one of my favorite things to read about right now is all of the money and time spent and hype around the early internet, specifically the dot-com boom and the fail of it. So this week we're going to be talking about Boo.com. Do you remember Boo.com? It sounds familiar, but I, I, I don't, but maybe as you explain it, I'll, it'll come to me. It was a, Boo.com is a short-lived British internet company founded in 1998 by Swedes Ernst Maltzden, Katja Leander, and Patrick Hedlin, and they were these sophisticated internet entrepreneurs in Europe. They created an online bookstore named Bocus.com. I don't know if you remember that. It was the third largest book retailer in, e-retailer in 1997, so they had this clout because they had this successful book, essentially like pre-Amazon bookstore, and then they founded Boo.com. So it was supposed, it was so high. It was one of those things which I love. It's so deliciously hyped for so long, and then just like staggers its way into oblivion. It was intended to become the largest online sports e-retailer in the world, planning to set up stores in Europe and America. It was originally the name was supposed to be Bo.com, B-O which was inspired by Bo Derek, which already feels misguided. What, I mean, in 1997, what 20-year-old... Ter- terrible branding, because I thought yeah. originally Boo was like, ooh, it's a Halloween Boo. store. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's an online sports e-retailer. <laughs> the, the final domain name was Boo.com, B-O-O, and it was bought for $2,500 from a dealer because Bo, B-O.com, was just already in use. So they're like, I don't know, let's just... Change our whole branding because this is inconvenient for us. So that's where we're starting with. We're starting the foundation level already very misguided. After several highly publicized delays, Boo.com launched in the autumn of 1999, selling branded fashion apparel over the internet. 
The target customers of Boo.com were young, wealthy, fashionable people between the ages of 18 and 24, and they were supposed to be attracted by sports and fashion brands offered by Boo.com. It also, which this is something that I I think I vaguely remember, Boo.com's big perk was this virtual shopping assistant, which was Miss Boo, who would accompany, it was like a Ask Jeeves type of thing where it would like be with you on the site, uh, assisting customers with tips to give at each step, fashion stuff, ways to navigate the site. Boo.com also developed technology that allowed online customers to put their chosen products onto 3D models of themselves and inspect the result. This is all happening in 1997. That's pretty, I mean, I guess it's pretty advanced. Or yeah. At least, well, know. like the idea is advanced. Yeah. I think it's it's a very innovative idea, but the technology at the time, think about what kind of internet you had in 1997. Chat, I, chat 90s chat rooms. Right? It's like <laughs> dial, even dial up was a problem. Like I remember like trying to download a song. It's just like, it was all a big deal. So the idea of a, like a 360 view of oneself and you could try on the clothes and see how they looked in different vantage points and on, you know, like I, I don't even know how that would work. It would look profoundly bad or not at, at all happening. The company had its headquarters along Carnaby Street in London in a building which initially shared a space with the erotic review magazine. It had 40 employees. In October 1999, it had a total uh, of eight offices and then 400 employees in Amsterdam, Munich, New York City, Paris, and Stockholm. It relaunched in the autumn of 2000 with Kate Bugalin, an ex-Bloomingdale salesperson and internet consultant appointed as president. She told Women's Wear Daily that they were working to expand beyond the portal business model into boot products and boot licensing. Staggering. Again, it's like moving really quickly, switching things up before we even really begin. The company spent $135 million of venture capital in just 18 months, and it was placed into receivership on May 18, 2000 and completely liquidated. So just a couple years. In June 2008, CNET hailed Boo.com as one of the greatest dot-com busts in history. So why did the company fail so hard? There's a lot of theories around it. Although there were several months of delays prior to launch and problems with the user experience when Boo.com first launched, they had been largely fixed by the time the company entered the receivership. Sales had grown rapidly and were actually around $500,000 for the two weeks prior to being shut down. So they were making a little bit of money, again, not enough to really cover all of the expenditures, specifically just the marketing. The fundamental problem was that a company was following an extremely aggressive growth plan, launching simultaneously in multiple European countries. This plan was founded on the assumption of the ready availability of venture capital money to see the company through the first three years of trading until sales caught up with operating expenses. Such capital ceased to be available for all practical purposes in the second quarter of 2000, following dramatic falls in the NASDAQ um, with all of the dot crash and the burst of the dot-com bubble. Boo was one of the numerous similar dot-com company failures over the two years that followed. So to all this venture capital... It used it up really quickly. It thought it would get more, and then it didn't. And honestly, we still see this, really, with startups, with app startups. Like, they get all this investment money. They think that that's going to, like, perpetuate itself, and then it doesn't, and they're gone. The Boo.com website was also widely criticized because it was horribly designed. The site relied heavily on JavaScript and Flash technology to to display these, like, pseudo-3D views of wares and then Miss Boo herself Along with having to answer at least five questions once the site loaded, the site had many large pages, which meant most users who had generally fine internet in 1987 had to wait minutes for the homepage to load. Not a good, not a good look. 
So within 18 months, $135 million was spent, again, on marketing, and $25 million in advertising and public relations before it even opened to sell products. Once you were even allowed to buy a product, you would have to wait for the page to load, if it even did, to buy these things. To attract customers, the site developed a new internet virtual technology, which consumers could drag their intended clothes, like we said. And essentially, uh, creditors, after a while, were just like, this is not cool. And by the time it closed, uh, Boo.com owed around $24 million. Over 400 staff and contractors stopped getting paid, again, in all of these offices. It cost over $600 million to develop uh, this this technology with the 3D stuff, and they had to spend $0.5 million to maintain it every month. In a widely circulated article, former interim CTO Tristan Lewis broke down the problems that plagued the company in one of the first postmortems of a technology company posted online. FashionMall.com, which had been operating since 1994, bought the remains of Boo.com, which included brand, web address, advertising materials, physical assets. The deal also included the Miss Boo character, her main, Boo's main assets, it's technology. The rest of it was sold to Bright Station, a British company run by internet entrepreneur Dan Wagner for mere $250,000. Less than $200 million was earned, was earned by selling Boo's remaining assets. So of the original global Boo.com staff, only one worked for both Boo.com incarnations. His name was Bill Burley. He was in the New York City office and he was a retail executive buying merchandise and planning. He was hired by Fashion Mall as the global fashion director of the new Boo. But in 2005, CNET called Boo.com the sixth greatest dot-com flop. In May 2007, Web Reservations International turned Boo.com into a travel site with reviews and listings. When the new site launched, it already had more than one million user reviews, which had been collected from existing WRI travel sites. They were not good. In October 2010, the new Boo.com site announced that it was closing down with effect from uh, November 1st, 2010 on. As of November 2017, Boo.com redirects to HostelWorld.com. I'll tell you what what website it doesn't take a long time to load. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you go to patreon.com slash ghost town pod, loads right away. Yeah, it's almost instantaneous. You don't have to wait minutes. And we now have 3D models of us <laughs> holding put, those bonus episodes. You can put different um, dollar bills all over us. Yeah. You can see it from afar. Well, it's the same one dollar bill that we <laughs> keep sharing. So we're both uh-huh. naked and we both have to share this one dollar bill. So you have to make your best Figure use of it. Figure out where that one dollar bill goes, please, for our sakes. And yours. Yeah, but it helps. We're not, our bubble's not going to burst. Never. The podcast bubble will never burst. There's (laughs) There's one thing my grandparents taught me, immigrants from the old country, it's that always ride the podcast wave. Guys, I'll make this quick so you can get back to your murder podcast or whatever you're listening to. I'm Drama from Group Chat, the number one podcast in the world. We make cool people smarter and smart people cooler. Seriously. Our topics range from Kim Kardashian to Jeff Bezos to Donald Trump and everything in between. If you want to be entertained and educated, check us out right now in the podcast app. Just search Group Chat. By the way, The ex-boyfriend isn't the killer. It's her best friend who is. Sorry for ruining that. But now that you have a little bit more time, give us a listen.